0: reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline so we just want to honor the mothers who are here today so if you're a mother we'd like for you to stand and we'd like to honor you in that way so go ahead As you leave today, we have a flower for you, so be sure to stop at the information desk and we'll hand you a flower. Say thank you. All right, good morning. Good morning. You'll stand with me. We're going to begin worship this morning. And I have a guilty confession. I picked my mother's and my grandmother's favorite songs for today. So... That's what we're singing. So, we're going to open our worship with singing Heavenly Sunlight this morning. have a baptism this morning.
1: Yes, yeah, Catherine mentioned what a joy on Mother's Day to have baptism as part of our service of worship. Uh, so I'm going to introduce to all of you Missy Rakestraw, so give us just a second. So this is Missy Rakestraw. Several weeks ago, she and Ray, her husband, where's Ray? Ray, raise your hand. There, oh! (laughs) Could you pick him out among the crowd? They were married here in a ceremony, and it was very touching, very moving for me to see the love that they had as they expressed their vows. Uh, Last Sunday morning, Missy came forward to surrender her life to Christ. So today what a joy it is to baptize Missy uh, as an act of symbolic representation of what Christ has done for us and the love he has for us and the love we have for him. So uh, this morning as Missy comes to be baptized, I'm going to ask Kyle. Kyle Kane is the one who connected uh, them to our church, introduced Ray and Missy to me. Kyle has been praying for them and witnessing to them shared the gospel, wrote out the gospel so that Missy would grasp a little bit more about what God would have for us to do and surrender to Christ. And I was explaining to Missy that baptism is not our salvation, but it pictures our our salvation much the way that a marriage ceremony is not the marriage, but it pictures the love that that two people have for one another. Uh, It is a new beginning, and it represents what Christ has done for us and that he was buried and rose from the dead, so too we are buried in baptism and raised to newness of life. That's not all it means, but that's a good bit of what baptism means and represents. So our public profession of faith through baptism. Kyle, would you pray for uh, us and for Missy? And thank you, Kyle, for your witness in their lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kyle. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Missy Rakestraw, in obedience to his command, and because of your faith, in your profession of faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, it is now my joy and our joy uh, to celebrate and, and honor Christ through this baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Worship again together this morning. you heavenly father god lord thank you for just a beautiful day for us to come to your house and worship together lord as brothers and sisters of christ god lord thank you um, for a day that we set aside for um just the women who feed into children and raise them up in the way they should go god lord may this be a day that we celebrate um, the mothers and um the women who have stepped in as mothers around us god lord may it also be a day of comfort and remembrance, God, for um, those who, um, whose mothers or grandmothers are no longer with us, God. Lord, may we be flooded with their memories, God, um, and just gratefulness um, for those grandmothers who raised us up to, to love your hymns and to love your word, God, and to love coming to church and fellowship, and Lord, God, thank you for the men who prepared a wonderful breakfast this morning for us to be able to fellowship, God, and Lord, thank you for the beautiful baptism you gave us this morning God Um, and Lord I just love what Kyle prayed Lord that you're still working and you're still moving God and Lord how promising and rejoiceful that is this morning God Lord I just pray that as we continue to worship you through our time of study this morning that you'll just make your word real and applicable to us as we go back to Luke this morning God Lord open our hearts to receive your word clear our conscience for nothing to distract us God and may we just hear clearly from you this morning through Pastor Neil. We just love you and praise you and thank you so much for all you've done and for all you're going to continue to do, God. And Will you just um, make your presence be known to each one of us personally this morning, God. I just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated, and children um, can go with Miss Katrina to Children's Church.
1: Every Bibles turn to Luke chapter 17, please. As Catherine mentioned, we are back in the Gospel of Luke after what seems like maybe a month on the cross and the resurrection. But hey, I've just got one sermon, okay, and it's the Gospel, and it is the cross and the resurrection. Different passages, different texts, but ultimately one message. Hey, I'm recovering at the moment from a brief scare, couldn't find my Bible back there and it's got my notes, and I'm scrambling back there trying to find where did I set the Bible, and I remembered the last time that happened, a man named Freddie Duncan had taken it and hidden it from me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that, Mary? (laughs) Freddie's in heaven. He's not here, So so there was no guilty culprit this morning other than me. I had set it back there, I guess, in the welcome center somewhere, and In the haste to get back here to the baptism. So thank you, Bryson. You would not want to preach without the Bible. And I would not like to preach without my Bible. It's kind of like using your personal glove in baseball. Nothing else has that kind of feel. So, all right, Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. We are following the story where Lazarus was at the rich man's gate. And the rich man ignored him in his poverty and his neediness. We found that ultimately what that led to was a great separation between where Lazarus ended up because of his faith in Christ and where the rich man ended up. One of the lessons we could take from that is woe to those who will not graciously help those who are in need is it is a sign of a heart that does not understand grace let's pick up in chapter 17 verse 1 through 10 Jesus continues to teach his disciples one of the things that Kyle prayed just a moment ago was about the need for us to be patient Recognizing God's patience with us, and then us passing along that patience to others. The reason I say that is that these disciples who are hearing these words from Christ, they're not there yet. They're not yet, at this point in their lives, ready to put into practice everything that Jesus is saying. And Jesus knows that. But he continues to teach them, he continues to love them, he continues to guide them. And He is going to die for them. He is going to rise from the dead for them. And He is going to live inside of them to be able to go back and put into practice everything that He says here. God, be patient with us. Uh, He's not finished with us yet. So let me get to the text, and maybe as I go through, you'll see why, why I just introduced the text with that. So He said to His disciples... It is inevitable it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come but woe to him through whom they come it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble be on your guard Be on your guard, watch out for yourselves, some versions say there. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and returns to you seven times a day, saying, I repent, forgive him, forgive him. Well, then the disciples, the apostles, said to the Lord on the heels of that statement, Lord, increase our faith. That sounds like an impossible task. It would take a miracle for me to be that forgiving and that patient and that merciful. Then the Lord said in response to the, the desire... To have faith increase, the Lord said, Well, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him, When he has come in from the field, <coughs> come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, quote, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Father, thank you already in advance for everything so far today that we have shared together from the breakfast this morning to the songs already to baptism. And now we share your word. Feed us. Father, through your word, change our hearts and minds through your word. Point us to Christ through your word. Show us, Father, that we too should say we're unworthy servants. We have only done what we should do. Teach us, Father, that spirit, that heart, that attitude. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to build the whole message around this last statement in verse 10 because I think that's a summary statement of everything that Jesus has said before verse 10. Disciples of Christ ought to be able to say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what we ought to have done. Lord, you don't owe us anything. We can't be demanding we can't be expected. We are just here to respond to your grace. But to get to that point, there is a process, and that's what I want us to back up and, and work through as we work our way through the text. So, in this message today, I think that Luke has for us three terms that we can kind of build around to communicate it to ourselves and to understand where he's going and these are marks of disciples who are faithful three marks of disciples who are faithful the first mark is helpfulness the second mark is holiness and the third mark is humility so let's see where I get the first one and it's in verses 1 and 2 Disciples ought to live a life of helping others rather than hindering others. Disciples of Christ ought to live a life that helps others rather than hinders others. Now, this will sound familiar to a lot of us. He said to his disciples, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. That's inevitable. That's the life we live in. Have you ever traveled in areas like North Georgia, where they have these warning signs that say something like this, Danger, Falling Rock. I've been driving in those situations, and I think to myself, I know that that's possible, I just hope it's not right now. It's just the nature of where you are, the danger of where you are, the effect of gravity. Gravity. You and I live in a fallen, sinful, broken world that's full of selfish, fallen, sinful people. So we are not to be surprised as we wage war with the world, the flesh, and the devil that there are going to be stumbling blocks. Things that tempt us. Things that trip us up. Things that cause us sometimes to stumble and fall and he picks us up. In the sovereignty of God, that's the world we live in. Now, what if you discovered while you were driving in one of those areas that the rocks didn't fall just naturally, but that there was a person who was on top of the mountain actually pushing rocks down the mountain into the way? We would say what Jesus says. Whoa, (laughs) So what we are confronted with this morning is divine sovereignty, but we are also confronted with personal responsibility. That rather than be a hindrance to people and their allegiance to Christ, their faith in Christ, their growth in Christ, we should determine, knowing that we will never pull this off perfectly, but we should determine in our heart of hearts, with all of our thoughts and all of our efforts and all of our... Desires never to put a stumbling block in the way of another believer. Now, are these little children literally little children? Absolutely. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. All of us created in his image, all of us a sacred miracle. In and of ourselves. But I think it's also speaking to the vulnerable, the needy, who are like Lazarus outside the rich man's gate. So as I worked through this, I came across what I thought were some helpful examples. What does it mean to put stumbling blocks in the path of other people? What does it mean to be a hindrance instead of a help? Imagine a defensive back in football. His job is to interfere. (laughs) His job is to prevent something from happening. So you'll see this all the time. They're pulling and they're grabbing and they're slapping and they're punching and they're diving. They're doing everything they can to prevent a completion. And if you're watching that, you said that guy interfered. (laughs) You didn't call it. You got to call it. That's not right. Now you know a little bit inside of how my mind and how I think during the week, okay, as I prepare these messages. But Robert Stein in his New American Commentary said, Here are some examples of stumbling blocks to other people. Offending someone by ridicule. Which I guess would include scoffing and mocking and cynicism and condescending, cutting comments, just trying to trip people up, right? Lying to them or cheating them. Performing acts that might be harmless in themselves but cause a weaker bro- brother, a weaker believer, to become troubled. Teaching heresy. Paul told the Galatians, you were running well, but someone tripped you up. What was tripping them up was a false gospel, a heresy. Seeking self-promotion, self-interest, persecuting believers, unbelief and doubt. All of these interfere with other people the little ones and their growth and their faith in Christ so here's the flip side we should influence people in a way that would point them to Christ little ones are vulnerable all of us are vulnerable and our influence over other people matters to God other people are not here for me and my own pleasure and my own glory Compelled by God's love, we no longer live for ourselves or see others from a selfish point of view. Rather, we are ambassadors for Christ with a ministry of reconciliation. This woe in verse 2 is severe. But it's better than the woe that will actually happen. So this is a grave warning. It would have been better for the rich man to be thrown into the sea with a millstone than to end up where he ended up. And I think that's what Jesus ultimately has in mind. This is a severe punishment. So do not be a scandal to other people in their faith journey. Help them to grow in their faith and their love for God and other people. Passages that help me... Grasp this a little bit this week, were some that Paul shared with young Timothy. Rather than cause Timothy to stumble, Paul wanted to encourage Timothy in his growth. And so Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 that you followed my examples. You followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, my sufferings. Paul helped Timothy understand the ministry by being an example in all of those areas. And then I want to turn to 1 Timothy 4. This is going to give me a second. I'm just glad I have my Bible up here. (laughs) I mean, pastor's worst nightmare. Not having his Bible or his notes. And I'm leaning on my notes a little more this morning. I've got some things I want to be intentional about saying. First Timothy chapter 4, I want to pick up. There's a lot here. I'm going to pick up actually with verse 9. I thought about more than this, but this is enough. It is a tr- I'm in 1 Timothy 4, 9. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. And it is for this that we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Then he says this, prescribe and teach these things. So the way I can help people is to prescribe and teach these things. Think of Kyle sharing the gospel with Missy Raikstraw, teaching and prescribing the gospel. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. Because some people may say, ah... They can't lead me. They're young. So even our age can be tempted to become a stumbling block to some people, but this is how Paul says you overcome that with your influence and your leadership and your integrity. He says in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. And until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching... Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in those things so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. If you were... Listening, these are very practical ways to help other people and yourself progress in your faith and your love and your character and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me add to this 1 Corinthians 13, which is the very opposite of being a stumbling block. It is to let love be patient and kind and gentle and faithful and self controlled practice. 1 Corinthians 13. And you will be a help and not a hindrance. I must move on. Had a lot more to say there, but I must move on. Number two, the second word that we learn from this particular passage is the word holiness. Holiness. We ought to live a life of holiness rather than a life of rebellion. Now the main thought here is in verse 3. Man, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So be on your guard. This reminds me of what Jesus said to Peter last week in John 21. When Peter said, well, what are you going to do with John? And Jesus says, Peter, you follow me. You let me run the universe. You, You let me lead other people. You take up your cross daily and follow me, Peter. I've got everybody else. You follow me. And if you follow me, you will be watching yourself and you will be an example to other people whom you will lead. But look at this watch yourself, live a holy life. It's been said that if every one of us would sweep in front of our own door, the whole street would be clean. Watch yourselves. Examine yourselves. Keep watch over your own heart. For from from your heart flow the springs of life. This is a sinful world, and be sure your sin and my sin will find us out. So related to this whole passage, the one thing that I need to take away is the seriousness of personal holiness, and I'm to be holy as He is holy. Holy. To strive for Christ like character in every area of my life and not mollycoddle my flesh and my desires and my freedoms, but rather be willing to sacrifice myself and, and, and buffet my body and make it become my slave if that's, if that's necessary, so that I won't stumble and I will finish the race and I will encourage those behind me. And then I need to be prepared for the inevitable. As I watch myself, I'm going to sin, and other people are going to sin against me. So I need to go ahead and prepare in advance how I'm going to respond when the ball is hit my way. And when the ball is hit my way, I'm going to be holy by forgiving the way God has forgiven me. That's how we're going to stand out. So if you look at how Jesus defines holiness and watchfulness, it's in forgiveness. Now if you describe what you thought might be holiness, it might look like the life of a monk. Or maybe staying in your prayer closet and brushing your halo every day. I don't know. (laughs) But to be holy means to be separate. It means to be totally other. It means to be like God. Holiness, rather than rebellion, would look like this. Lord, I in humility will obey your command to forgive 70 times 7. I'm going to be different in how i respond to other people's sins against me. Now, I'm going to strive to be holy, but I'm also going to be aware that we live in a fallen world and, and none of us will ever reach perfection here. So we're going to be hurt. We are going to be offended. We are going to be sinned against. So what does Jesus say? If your brother sins, have a conversation with him. Rebuke him. Because it's not helping any of us. For sin to be covered up or ignored. Now let me say what this is not. This is not getting on social media and rebuking a bunch of people from the keyboard that you don't even know. (laughs) That is a very limited and ineffective means of communication. But what it does mean is that when my sister or brother sins against me, that we have a conversation. I think it's Galatians 6, one that says, If your brother sins, go to them, you who are spiritual, and in gentleness, restore them into the fellowship of your life and the life of the church. So this whole rebuking aspect is a loving admonition in which a believer communicates to another A wrong done with the heart of forgiveness in advance and leading the way which affects how you rebuke people to mend the fracture to speak the truth in love first one-on-one but the goal is repentance the goal is like the restoration of a broken bone being reset and regrown and healed So, the goal is repentance. The the goal is the brother's restoration. And here's the amazing part forgive him seven times a day. Now, wait a second, Jesus. (laughs) I might could pull this off once or twice, but 70 times seven, that would take a miracle. It would take a miracle. Do you know what they did to me? They put a stumbling block in my way. I was driving along and they pushed a boulder down the mountain and it came and tore up the front end of my car. And My spiritual radiator is trashed. Seven times seven, 70 times seven. Whew, I got to move on. We keep watch over our lives and how we respond to sin, not in a way which magnifies sin or multiplies sin, trading insult for insult, but rather giving a blessing instead. See, Peter in time learned. And here I go wanting to read another place in my Bible. Holiness rather than rebellion, which says I refuse to forgive. I'm going to stay bitter and angry with self-pity. I want to keep them in my debt so that I can always, every day, feel superior to them. All the reasons why we refuse to forgive. Listen to what Peter learned because he too had received amazing grace from Christ. And I'm in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. This is a holy life. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. You were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You were forgiven, pass on forgiveness. Not case by case, and I'll see or I'll decide, but a life of forgiveness, a stream of grace and forgiveness flowing out of your life to those who sin against you, and they will sin against you. Let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So we would repeat the woe at that point in the message. As the great theologian C.S. Lewis said, Forgiveness is a wonderful idea until you have something to forgive. Then you discover the difficulty in that kind of heart, and then you become more like the great theologian Willie Nelson, who said, Forgiving you is easy, but forgetting seems to take the longest time. You and I are called to live a life of holiness. We ought to live a life of holiness rather than a life of rebellion. Then the third point, a life of humility. A life of humility. Because they basically say, if this is what is demanded, that I'm never a stumbling block, and I'm always helping, and this holy person who forgives people all the time, that would take a miracle. So they said to themselves in verse 6, Lord, increase our faith. If we're going to live a life this radical and this different, we need more faith. And Jesus says, all you need is the object of your faith, Christ. Because if you have the smallest amount, but it's on the right object, God can do miracles in your life. But what you need to do is not sit here and ask for more faith. What you need to do is take the faith you already have and put it into practice. And then your faith will grow. Faith is a process by which we grow by taking the faith we have and putting it into practice, and that leads to more faith and trust and confidence, which leads to more growth. Bonhoeffer put it like this He who believes obeys, but he who obeys will believe. So look at what Jesus says. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. What a miracle! then Jesus kind of changes gears in verse 7. But actually, he doesn't. He says, if you have a servant, and they're out working, look at these images. I love these agricultural images. Plowing and keeping sheep. What a biblical image there that all of us can understand. Coming in from the field. A lot of us know what that's like. Coming in from the field and sitting down to eat. All of us know what it is to have a meal like breakfast this morning and you sit down to eat. If you're the master, you don't say, hey, you sit down, let me serve you. No, the servant serves because that's what they're there to do. They're there to serve as unworthy servants. They ought to say, we're just here to serve. We don't demand any rewards. We don't demand any pay. We don't demand any expectations. We're just here to serve and give ourselves away because you are who you are and we are who we are. Humility. We ought to live lives of humble service rather than lives of self-interest or self-glory. And our focus should be on obedience as servants and this will grow our faith. But I'm back to the beginning and I want to close with a couple of comments about the help and the holiness and the humility we need. Because these disciples aren't there yet and you and I aren't there yet. And we need to ask the question at the end of this, What will create the kind of heart and life that will live a helpful, holy, humble life that will say, I'm just an unworthy servant serving my master and doing only that which we ought to have done. Let me back up and say the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest of helps in these particular areas because the gospel shows us How sinful and unworthy we are. Do you realize what verse 10 is speaking? That we, all of us, are unworthy slaves. So let's back up and look at our lives. Rather than helping people, I can think think of times in my life when I was a hindrance. When because of selfishness, or pride, or insecurity that I liked it when somebody else failed. <laughs> kind of like I like it when you're running the peachtree and you pass someone who's slower than you. That makes me feel better about myself. Hey, let's trip them up. <laughs> because our, of our competitive sin, often we, we celebrate other people's failures and we kind of want to help that happen that we put stumbling blocks in front of other people. And you know what? As I've read through this text and thought about my own life, I've said to myself, I deserve to be that guy who has a millstone around his neck and is thrown into the depths of the sea. And I think of the hymn, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. All of us deserve to be the woe that is going down into the sea. Because rather than helping people, we can think of times when we've been a hindrance. You know what Peter did? He threw a stumbling block in a little girl's journey when she asked him, Are you one of them? Are you a follower of Christ? And he looked down at that little one and said, I am not. I do not know the man. I'm not one of them. I don't know what you're talking about. Peter had become a stumbling block in the life of a little one. Take the second one, holiness. There have been times when we've not watched ourselves, but we've watched other people, and rather than forgive them, We've had vengeance or bitterness and refused to, to, to move toward them in, in, in loving and in caring conversation and rebuke. I could go on. We've not lived lives of humility and service. Have you always had the attitude of this particular servant? No. You've done your work and you've done your service, and then you've said, now pay up, right? Give me what's mine. Give me what I deserve. Give me what I've earned, right? Right? Man, the Christian can't operate that way because what have we earned? What do we deserve? What have we merited? All of us left to ourselves have merited a state worse than the man drowning with the millstone. So that's where the gospel shows us, you know what, I truly am an unworthy slave. But then it goes beyond that and it shows us Christ and his beauty. Christ and his love and the gospel shows me yeah I've been a hindrance but there's a helper and his name is Jesus I've lived an unholy life but there's one who never stumbled he never fell he was perfect and pure in every way he kept God's law perfectly and righteously and in purity he was so holy that while his enemies were killing him he said father forgive them they know not what they do Look at his help. Look at his holiness. Look at his humility. He was the servant who the night he was betrayed stooped to wash feet and didn't demand anything of them other than to receive the gift of his grace. Here's my point. All of us have failed in what we ought to do. But Christ has done what we ought to do and paid the debt for us not doing what we ought to do. And Christ in us can forgive us and transform us so that we then can become the helpers we ought to be and the holy people we ought to be who forgive and the humble servants we ought to be. Christ can create within me the ought, is my point. And only Christ can create in me the ought. And it is a beautiful thing when we have other people in our lives who themselves, they are are helpful, and they are holy, and they are humble. What a joy it is not only to know Christ, but to be in the church and to have people demonstrating what disciples ought to do. So I'll close my message. And you're thinking it's time to close. But I could have mentioned this morning to several people, because as I worked through this, I thought about people in my life who've been so helpful, holy, forgiving, humble. I could tell you about Mr. Rob Wilson, who was a member of the church I attended in Franklin growing up and how he would hold our hands during prayer and slip us candy during the sermon and just such a holy I could have and I've told told you I could have talked a lot about him. Could have told you about a coach I had, I've told you this story a thousand times, who when I went to him and apologized and repented, he put his arm around me and says, I forgive you, says, I'm proud of you. You're still going to run those sprints, but I'm proud of you. But Friday morning, I went to the pool at Lakeshore to swim a little bit. When I got out of the water, I dried off, I was exiting out of the lobby, and sitting to my right was a retired minister and philosophy of religion professor, And he and his wife go almost every day to Lakeshore Pool in Carrollton to get their daily exercise, and they're probably in their 80s. They do that every day. And as I'm exiting the lobby, Professor Wontland is his name, former pastor, he says, Pastor Aubrey, what are you preaching Sunday? (laughs) I said, well, actually, (laughs) glad you asked. The marks of a disciple, that we are called to be helpful and holy and humble. He looked at me, he says, don't you forget about Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then I told him this, I said, you know what, uh, Reverend, I said, I had two grandmothers. I have a mom. That man, they put real life, tangible evidence of those three things I just mentioned. That man, they've been helpful. My grandmothers and my mother have been so helpful, they have been so holy in their forgiveness of their children. And man, they've been humble servants my whole life, my grandmothers and my mother. And then I told him a couple of examples, and I'll just give you one. I said, Professor, I said, uh, I can remember as a child asking my mother, how do you get saved? And my mom very quickly had the answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I can remember asking my mama after that, Well, if everybody gets saved, can we quit going to church? (laughs) And she discipled me through that one as well because we're both still in church, literally here this morning. But in a world that is shouting and angry about our rights and our freedoms and our privileges, the gospel will help you come to the point where you say, Man, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride. And, and if the whole world were mine, that would be a present far too small. Listen, here it is. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life. My soul, my all, we are unworthy servants. Ah, but wait. We are also his friends, and we're his children, and we will become like him. You come to the point of unworthy servant, but he is going to make all unworthy servants ultimately kings and queens in the kingdom. I'll stop there. Father, thank you. For your grace and your love, which helps us understand that Peter and Saul who became Paul and all the disciples, at times they were stumbling blocks to others and one another. At times they were unforgiving and proud and competitive. At times they were looking for the reward only and not for gracious service out of gratitude, and all of us, Lord, are also in process through the gospel of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be helpful. Help us, Lord, to be holy. Help us, Lord, to be humble servants in every opportunity we are confronted with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for your listening. To present before us, Missy and Ray, if you'd come, we're not—we're not going to do another wedding, but we're gonna—we <laughs> are going to present uh, Missy and Ray to our church for membership. Missy, as you saw, uh, her profession of faith through baptism. Ray has already professed his faith through baptism. His desire uh, to join our church, as well as Missy's, what is the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? I have a second, all in favor, let me know by saying amen. 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 And for missus Rakestraw, Raik-Straw, we have a certificate of baptism from today and a gift Bible from our church. We love you and we're grateful for both of you. And if you'll stay here, if you haven't had a chance to meet them or speak to them or welcome them, uh, please do that after our benediction. So, um, Jeff, why don't you come and stand with, uh, they already know Kyle. <laughs> They need to know Jeff as well. Jeff, stand with him as, as a deacon in our church. And then, um, hey, uh, Ms. Teeter wanted to thank everyone for the prayers for Larry. He continues to improve. He is at home. So let's continue our prayers for Larry Teeter. Don't forget the basket auction outside as you leave. Seems like there was something else. No services tonight. No choir, no children, no youth, no adult, no nothing. So uh, enjoy the day with your family.
0: We're going to change the doxology and sing Family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Mothers, don't forget.